Don't you just love it when you can confidently say that someone has your back? Hi, Dave Lee here, and that's the feeling I have with UCARE. Anytime I call them up with a Medicare question, I know without a doubt that a real person will answer, and they will work through my issues no matter how long it takes, and they won't hang up until I completely understand what's going on. Their people and customer service are second to none, and it's why UCARE has people-powered health plans. Don't hesitate to reach out to UCARE for help. Learn more at UCARE.org slash Medicare. This paid endorsement brought to you by UCARE. Today on my first concert. It's funny, when I was an educator, I would put up my gold records in the school. That was just something that we would do. And yeah. it was, you know, the kids love looking at that. And well, on radio, we always had them on the hallway. If we, you know, well, if we right. helped bust a record, would they we're very proud of well, it. Well, right. Know? But of all the records that I have on the walls. That is the one that everybody goes up to. Shut up. You're on this. That's, that's my favorite movie. That in the Goofy movie. Well, hi again, everybody. Welcome back. Dave Lee here with Davide Rosso. Davide, good to see you. Happy New Year, by the way. Happy New Year to you, too. And a great show here coming up with uh, St. Paul Peterson, who's in here with a lot of questions. And he's got a really special event I want to tell you about as well. I do want to thank everybody at Aquarius Home Services for making this possible. Also, the friends over at UCARE, lots of them. And by the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters and StarBank.net. Uh, St. Paul, thanks for coming in again. It's good to see you. Uh, I saw you a long time ago, and yes. we shared the mic with Billy, and uh, this time you've got some something special happening. However, yes. the name of the show is My First Concert, so I want to do a make good with you. <laughs> Let's do a make good. Okay. Because this it's ironic how often this happens where I'll talk to someone after we've done the show, and they go, wait a minute, I... I want to make good on what I said. Well, about my yeah, you, you start thinking about it once you've given your final answer and you go, geez, did I just BS him? <laughs> what did I do here? I think I BSed you the last time because, okay, if you remember, I think the answer I gave was the Doobie Brothers at the State Fair. Now, my mom, just to recap, used to play at the talent show at the Minnesota State Fair, and I was nine, 10 years old going with her nearly every day because that was my child care. The state fair, what do uh, they call the guys who are uh, um, in the in the midway? Well, uh, the carnies. The carnies. The carnies were my babysitters. <laughs> <laughs> that, that explains a lot, yeah, doesn't it? That explains it does. a lot. It's kind of clearing everything up now. So mom would give me 10 bucks. <laughs> I'd go back to the dime toss. I'd win ashtrays. I'd come home with 47 ashtrays. <laughs> Look, mom, I got 47 ashtrays. But sometimes she'd give me money to go to concerts. And I believe my final answer will be Mac Davis. Mac Davis at the Minnesota State Fair. What year? I bet you it would be. Probably I don't know. When he's doing his TV show, maybe, yeah. Mid-70s, anyway, yeah. yeah. I was a kid. Poor Davide, you don't know who Mac Davis was growing up <laughs> no, in Switzerland. Nope, nope. But he wrote a lot of songs for a lot of people. Yeah, what was his hit? I can't even think baby of Baby, Don't Get Hooked on Me. Baby, baby, don't. I don't want to have, to have you pay any uh, ASCAP here. <laughs> but he wrote In the Ghetto, I think, for Elvis. No. I think so. Wow. And then he wrote uh, Kenny Rogers in the first edition's first hit. Didn't they? Uh, I didn't even know that. I well, I think so. Now I'm shooting from the hip or shooting from the lip in this case, and I, <laughs> I don't know, but I, something tell. I know he wrote some hits for other people, but I think in the ghetto was his. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I really thought he was 
cool and I liked him and I suppose I knew him from TV, like you said, yeah. his, his show. And uh, so, yeah, the Carnies and Mac Davis took care of me. <laughs> those, those guys were my babysitters. It turned out pretty well for you, I'd say. I don't know about that. Uh, That's a matter of opinion. <laughs> well, so when people read about uh, Paul Peterson, oftentimes they'll say, discovered by Prince. True or false? Well, I think my mom discovered me first. I don't yeah. Know. Um, I really got a nice... Uh, gig right out of high school with Prince. So I guess it's fair to say that he escalated my career by um, so much. And it was it was a, a crazy thing that happened when I was 17 or 18 years old. I went up to, I graduated from Holy Angels, went up north with my dear friend to Breezy Point. I get a phone call from my brother-in-law, Stuart, said, get your butt back here. I've got a, an audition for you with Morris Day and the Time. Uh, long story short, I ended up getting the gig and worked with the Prince camp for, I think, three or four years. It wasn't a very long tenure, but man, it was impactful. You know, got to do Purple Rain and be the lead singer in a group called The Family. And I call those years my university years because literally yeah. I was signed up to go to the University of Minnesota. And that all changed when I got that phone call. But I'll tell you, I learned more in my four years there than I could have ever done at any music school. I watched somebody who's everything he touched turned to gold, but I would sit back and watch what was going on. How did he do that? How did he arrange that? How did he decide to market it that way? Why did he produce this song that particular way? Um, why, you know, his live show, all these different things that I was sitting back, just absorbing all these things as a kid. And then of course, four years later, I'm like, I've got it. I know how to do it all. And then I left. <laughs> sure. And then I left. That? And that then I tried enough. to do it myself. Yeah, that'd be a tough age to learn all that stuff. And oh, top of the world for sure. Yeah, I saw your prom outfit. No, your your outfit from Purple Rain, which your nephew wore at the prom. By the way, he sends his greetings. I spoke okay. with him when I was on my way down here. He showed the yellow suit, didn't he? <laughs> he did. Yes. So oh, proud yeah. of it. Yeah. Did you know he was going to take it or not? I think I gave it to him, and I used to give him my car to go drive around to. I'm a nice uncle. Yeah. I am. But he's still paying me back for all that stuff. Oh, yeah. And put it on the tab. Yeah, one of those deals. Oh, so, yeah. But how did Prince know about you? Well, I was working with my sister, Patty Peterson, and her then-boyfriend, Stuart Pastor, in a group called um, Patty Peterson and a Piece of the Action. I believe was the name of the band, formerly known as Bandwagon. And we would play on the 494 strip. Oh, sure. Uh, and I was, you know, I shouldn't have been in the bar. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but my teachers used to come out and see me play. I'm like, you know, here's what I'm doing. Come on out. And I'd buy them rounds of drinks. <laughs> I swear to you, I did. You could never do these things no, in this day no. and age. Bribery as it, uh, that's finest here. Well, would you call it bribery? I don't well, know. But I have the grades or maybe, <laughs> maybe just a little bit. Um, so I was working with my brother-in-law. And that Stewart. was the place to be, the 494 Strip. That was... Ed, what was there? Eddie Webster's Steak and Ale. Um, Didn't Max one, McGee have a sh the, the left guard? Was that? No. Man, anyway. that sounds familiar. Anyway, there were yeah, there were a bunch of them. And, you know, that was back in the day when a musician could make great money and play six nights a week in a bar and people would go out in droves to hear these bar or to hear these bands at these bars and i tell you um i don't think the pay has increased as 
that much from 1981 to no. you know, 2024, which yeah. is sad. Yeah. Sad, sad, yeah. sad. I, I think if I go down to a, a local club, they're going to probably pay me the exact same wage that I would have made back in those days. Yikes. Yep. But anyways, the, the drummer in the band was Patty's boyfriend and now husband for almost 40 years, Stuart Pastor. And his first cousin is Bobby Z. Now, there's going to be a test, so write this okay. stuff down. Bobby Z is and was the drummer in Prince and the Revolution. I think that Bobby Z told Stuart that there, that Prince had fired Jimmy Jam and, and all those guys in 1983. He called me because I worked with him in that thing, got me the audition. I went in and learned the songs and learned how to dance and sing to the best of my ability. And, and that's how Prince knew about me, hmm. I think. It's kind of a little bit of a mystery, but that's the closest I can come to putting my finger on it. Yeah, and I, I suppose little did you know how huge he would become at that time, did you? Not at all. Yeah. This is right before. I mean, he was big already. Right. However, he wasn't Purple Rain big yet. That was exactly what I was walking into was the movie Purple Rain. And you're I, in the movie. I'm in the movie. And, and what was that experience like? It was crazy. I mean, literally... It was just part of the deal. I was trying to fit in, find my way. It was a culture shock going from Richfield, Minnesota, suburbia to, you know, um, to where Prince and, and the people he had running our bands like Jesse Johnson, their way of discipline and, and uh, uh, handling situations was much different than my family's. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I'm trying to sugarcoat this as much as I can, but it was the James Brown school. $2,500. That's how we would, why you, I mean, and they would cuss us out and do all sorts of stuff. And so we, I was really on my toes and trying not to ruffle too many feathers, but learn as much as I could fit in and do all these things, you know, all while I'm uh, trying to play well, yeah. sing well, dance well, which was never one of my fortes. I was, especially back then, all arms and all legs. I hadn't grown into my body. I was about 50 pounds, too. Yeah, I looked like Spider-Man or something back then. So it was an interesting, interesting time. Yeah. And the, the movie, when you're in the movie, did you have to do anything different? Or could you, I mean, did uh, you had to work with a director, obviously, and producers and all that sort of thing? Or were you shielded from a lot of that stuff? I was really shielded. They gave us a, a, a daily call sheet where you got to show up and do your stuff. We had rehearsed the music that we were supposed to play live, which we did all that. And we did our concert scenes. And we had a few select scenes uh, at First Avenue and things like that. And the Union Bar and uh, rehearsing at a warehouse with um, uh, Vanity Six. And we did a few different scenes like that where they would give us some direction. And, and one particular scene that my nephew Jason always points out that I have a line in the movie <laughs> when we're walking down the hall and Morris leans back and says, how's the family to Prince? And somehow in there, I, I was we were dogging the revolution. And I said, revolution of what? Revolution of 1812, <laughs> which is just we were talking smack. Yeah. And I was making this stuff as I went along. And of course... You know, I still get nice little checks for that little line <laughs> 30, 40 years later. I could take my bride out to dinner once in a while. So it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, what an experience, though. I mean, that was that was the movie, man. And that, that was, was the movie. Yeah, game changer. I'll, I'll never forget this. I uh, 
I was dating my now wife of 34 years and um, I was invited to go to the premiere. I don't know if I told the story or not, but you told me. Did I tell you? Oh, so my mother, my darling mother was very, very Catholic. And, you know, she would not have liked the fact that I took my bride out to the premiere of that movie at Grauman's Chinese Theater. And yes, we stayed in the same room. <laughs> Yikes. And so I didn't tell her. Right. And mm-hmm. there, if you remember back in those days, those of you who were around, the coverage on this thing was massive. There yeah. was cameras everywhere. What was my MO at that time? Dodge all cameras. Because I didn't want to be caught on national television with my girlfriend. <laughs> so there's no proof in that California. I was there. Yeah. Absolutely no proof. So I could be lying. Yeah. I don't know. But that's we, all right. We avoided it. It eased the-, the guilt a lot. <laughs> we had a ball. We got to hang out with some of my favorite people. Uh, James Ingram, I'll never forget it. We got to oh, what a hang talent. with him. Oh, it was just so much fun. It was it was bedlam, and it's such such fun to watch his star rise like that. And he took us along with him. He really did. Yeah, that, well, you had a great relationship with him, but that, but that at that age, man, I you know every kid probably wanted to be you. I wanted to be in the time. You know, I mean, everybody at that age said, well, I wish that were me. Of course. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, and I was literally just hanging on for dear life yeah. at that point. I'm like, what is going on here? But we just showed up and did what we were supposed to do, mm-hmm. and and we just went along for the ride. Really, that was it. Yeah. And it was a hell of a ride. Well, you performed, Paul's performed with a lot of people, whether it be Kenny Loggins or... Um, uh, Phil Ramone, even Daryl Hall. I mean, there's a lot of names I want to ask you about sure. as when we go back. But I do want to ask you about a very special event coming up in the green room called Funk Friday 200. It's a celebration yeah. of sorts. And when we come back, we're going to ask Paul about that. And you should put it on your calendar if you can get tickets. Uh, they may, I don't know if there's any left at this point, but we'll find out. Hey, hey, Aquarius Home Services, geared up to make your new year absolutely fantastic. In fact, I was talking with Jeff uh, just a few days ago. If you're ready to transform your water experience in 2024, and I did that years ago with him. So just imagine turning on your faucet and excitingly declaring, I love my water. I'm serious because it's worry-free water right now. And get, guess what? You won't have to pay a penny until 2025. So you say goodbye to those spotty dishes, uh, revel in softer hair and skin, and wave farewell to annoying white-scale buildup in the rust stains. With Connecticut, the world's most efficient water treatment system. Now, that's a mouthful, but they live up to it. And that's what I have. You're going to get purified drinking water directly from your own faucet, all without the need for electricity. I know, it sounds, it sounds strange, but it's non-electric. And trust us, you'll be amazed at how little salt you use. As your local authorized Connecticut dealer, they're committed to treating you, your home, and your time, actually, with the utmost respect. So don't miss out on worry-free water. Act fast. Financing offers are subject to credit approval. Aquarius believes in earning the right to be recommended. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. Spotty dishes <laughs> in your sink. I think there's potential there, Paul. I think that melody might work. I don't know. I didn't steal. I heard it somewhere before. I don't know where. but Funk it's... Friday 200 celebration at the Green Room. That's uh, Tell us about that. what Funk Friday is. Well, Funk Friday has been making the internet funkier one minute at a time for 200 consecutive episodes. We started this, 
which was really a a, a a vehicle to advertise for my my podcast called Music on the Run. Uh, the day the the shutdown happened in New York City, my first Funk Friday was at a rehearsal hall. Um, my intern at the time said, "Why don't you come up with something that would be fun for people to listen to a weekly episodic series?" And I'm like. I need that like I need a hole in the head. I need like I need another job. Yeah, I went and then I thought about it and I went, you know, he the kid might as well listen to the kid. He probably has a beat on what's going on. So, Funk Friday was born in New York City, two hundred weeks ago. The next week came along, Funk Friday number two came out. Next uh, a week later, the next episode came out, and then I started inviting people, especially during COVID, mm-hmm. who were actually home and freaking out, not knowing what they were going to do. How are these people going to stay creative? Um, we really didn't know what we were right. supposed to be doing. We, I mean, musicians in general were the first to go and the last to come back. And I think the timing of it was really divine intervention. And, and it really was such a natural thing. I just call old friends up say, what are you doing? Do you have a home set up? Um, do you feel like playing on this one minute funk piece? I utilized my family members, of course. They all played on things, but I also utilized people that I've never, ever met before. Some of my heroes, as you move through uh, the first 50 to 100 to 150 episodes, I just would find people on Facebook or find people on Instagram that I wanted to play with, um, like Phil X from Bon Jovi's band, mm-hmm. uh, Greg Fillingains from Stevie Wonder's band, um, Randy Brecker from the Brecker Brothers. I don't, I've never met these people ever. And we communicated via the internet. And I just said, do you want to do this? And the worst thing they could ever say is no. So a community of musicians found out about this little thing that I had rolling. And it was a way for us to stay creative in such a dark period. And even though COVID is over, right? Mm-hmm. We have continued down the road because what has it become? It's become this community and we don't do it for anything other than making uh, music uh, and, and putting it out on the internet and making it healing because we got so many other things to worry about on the web. And this is just a chance for somebody to just groove and not worry about what's going on on their feed. It really has been a passion project for me to keep this going. Uh because it's important. It's important for people to to not be barraged with bad things all the time. And and that's why these people will continue to show up. And I'll get phone calls going, why haven't you invited me? <laughs> Which is just so beautiful because yeah. I thought I was going to be begging people to do sure. this because we don't get paid. We do this because we want to do this literally, and have fun. And it's become a networking tool for so many musicians. I mentioned Phil Lux. He, uh, I put him on a project with Lenny Castro, who happens to be coming into town. And I put him on a project with Jason Sheff from the group Chicago. He used to be the lead singer. They happened to be in the same studio in Los Angeles, California. They'd never seen each other before. They walked down the hall and they put together that they actually had played with each other on Funk Friday. So wow. people network with each other new relationships are born and it's just been an incredible ride and we're at number 200 the the 200th consecutive 
episode and Davide sitting over here is my partner in crime and all of this stuff. So I got to publicly thank you for not only mixing it, but kicking me in the tush to keep it going. And all of our great interns and uh, video interns and audio interns. And, you know, it's been really something and we're getting great response from, from some sponsors. And we are so grateful that we're going to have this concert January 12th, 7 PM at the green room. Yeah. Wow, that was a lot. Do you want me to ever, do you want me to shut up now? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm loving this. I want me to shut up. The, the, but the green room so who you're going to have we can I mean you're going to have and you're doing a a fundraiser what the for the guitars, well, right? Well, the, the cool thing, I don't know if you know about this this great 501c3 uh nonprofit called Free Guitars for Kids, started by an old buddy of mine Terry Esau, and now he's given away hundreds of thousands of guitars. He makes sure that these guitars that are laying in closets go to great use. He gives them away to kids who would, wouldn't necessarily be able to afford them. What a concept, right? Yeah. Music's healing. Funk Friday's healing. This 501c3 is such a great opportunity for all of these guys to come together and support that. So a portion of the proceeds from this concert are going to him mm-hmm. and, his, uh, and his project. Uh, did he say kids. like uh, when there were the fires in in Hawaii, they were able to give guitars to wow. yeah to people that lost everything there, um, yeah. So it, it's it's a good, I think it's a good thing. It's a good charity. I think isn't mm-hmm. that the irony of COVID? Uh, musicians don't have anywhere to work, and yet it's music that's your therapy. When all of us sitting out there, and if there's anything that could calm you down is if you had music going in your house, or you had music on the speakers, or you, were, you know, I mean, and yet musicians weren't in a situation to work. So your concept, your timing on it was absolutely perfect. Who's going to be with you over there? Well, from Minneapolis, we have my brother Ricky Peterson, who also uh, happens to play with Fleetwood Mac yeah. and Stevie Nicks. We just uh, had the pleasure of Paul Buttdowning. Yes. His brother, <laughs> and all got to talk to him. Uh, yes, I did butt dial Ricky. Uh, it is amazing how close your family still is after all these years. We just got done doing our, uh, probably our 35th holiday concert at the Dakota, and it is so amazing to sit behind the drums and watch not only my brothers and sisters, but their kids and their kids' kids come up and, and continue this Peterson legacy. It's just freaky to yeah. to watch and witness but he, anyway so ricky will be there uh dr fink from prince's band will be there stokely will be there uh joe elliott from david sanborn's band jay corquin from uh cat perkins band mm-hmm. uh, and then we're bringing in mike scott from justin timberlake's band he also played with prince um lenny castro from john mayer's band and toto and who my friend oh uh Roger Smith. Roger Smith from Tower of Power. And that's just the start of it. And my sister Patty's <laughs> going to come down and sing. Eric Leeds is going to come down and play mm-hmm. from Prince's Band. And it's really just all coming together to finally be in one room to do this and expound on these little one-minute vignettes. And it's going to be like a jam. Yeah. I mean, you know, Dave, we, we've been interviewing a lot of uh, the musicians that contributed to the history in the state of music history yeah. in the state and Minnesota sound. Right. But there is this uh, new generation of musicians out there that I'm eager to start inviting yeah. them and, and onto our podcast because uh, they, they will be 
making history as Paul did, as his family did and all that. And that evening is going to be the old guard and the new guard coming together, yeah. hopefully. You That's know, the plan and, anyway. And, and jam. <laughs> so well, we want to yeah. the thing is is that at this point in my life, I'm able to create some opportunities for those people who are looking for opportunities. Right. So it's a rite of passage. It's like, yeah. come on, let me give you this this place to play and these people to play in front of. And we hope that happens on January 12th at the Green Room at yep. 7 o'clock. Are tickets, <laughs> are, are tickets even available? Sure they are. Yep. yep. Greenroommn.com or paulpeterson.com. Yeah, that's going to be amazing. Well, it's a great call. And congrats on doing the Funk Friday. It is really fun to watch. I've seen quite a few of them. Uh, Paul Peterson's with us. Dave Lee here. Davide with us as well as we're continuing our first concert podcast series available at Apple, Spotify, TalkNorth.com, wherever you get them. Just download or just subscribe to it and it'll make it easy each week. A lot of great stories. Paul has a lot more too. I'd mentioned earlier talking with him about uh, people like Kenny Loggins and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Believe it or wow. not, there's a tie in there. Yeah. And it isn't that Paul just, you know, had those figures in his collection. There's a little bit more to it in the movie. I want to ask him about that as well. Hey, uh, speaking of music, Chan Hassan Dinner Theaters, they have so many things going on. First of all, on the main stage, you still have Jersey Boys, which is the great show of Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. It's on through February 24th, I believe, on the main stage. Then they'll take a really short, like a one-week break, and then they'll begin the Carol King musical, Beautiful, which many of us have seen. I hope you have. If you haven't, the Chan Hassan's going to do a great job on it. It's, it's really a fun uh, musical. So that's coming up. But meanwhile, in the concert series at the Chan Hassan Dinner Theater's uh, concert series, which is a separate area, which has great acoustics. I've been there many times. Uh, Magic Carpet Ride's coming up. That's the music of San Francisco in 1967, the summer of love. And if you're not familiar with that, this is worth getting out there. Gosh, when I think of that, I think of Scott McKenzie's San Francisco song. That's a deep track, but I still have the 45 at home. <laughs> Songs of the South, Alabama's tribute coming up on Friday, uh, Saturday, and uh, Sunday. Check that out. The music of Stevie Wonder is coming up soon. A Bridge Over Troubled Water album tribute is in January. The music of Patsy Cline is coming up in January. California Dreamin', which is Songs of the Laurel Canyon, by the way, with a great cast, including our friend Mary Jane Alm and many others. Uh, Anyway, Lori Dawkins there for some things. Chase and Ovation are there doing the music of Prince and uh, from back in Paul's day when he was playing with the band. Much more, too. So check that out. Comedy Cabaret, Weddings, they host those. The Musical Theater Camp. It's a pretty cool place. ChanHassonDT.com. I would check that out when you get a chance. Okay, Paul, do you know that I'm playing there in July? No, I did I, not know that. I am with the classic American rockers. My brother, Billy, and my brother, Ricky, and I, we were in the Steve Miller band. Yep. So we have collected some musicians who have also played with some classic rock people. And we get to go play the great music that we've been involved with. So we'll be there in July, the classic American rockers. It's a beautiful venue. I've never been, I've never played there before. I've gone to concerts there. Mm -hmm. Chan Hassan has got it going on. Yeah. They the really sound have. is so good. I know really as a musician. I'm sure you've played in a lot of different oh, places. Oh, yeah. That's important to me. So, uh, And I love watching shows at that beautiful theater there. Is there a favorite place that you've played? I mean, uh, I don't know if it's fair to say favorite, but among the tops, uh, is, is there a place that to you has kind of stood out? 
There are, there are, there are a few. Beside the green room on January 12th. <laughs> <laughs> I, I won't do that to you. Um, there are a few, yes. Um, probably Red Rocks playing with my oh, brother. boy. And the Steve Miller band. Looking at my stupid, two stupid brothers as I'm looking out at, at this incredible amphitheater. Wow. And playing that great music. That's a memory for sure that I will never forget. Does that make a musician nervous when you see, I mean, you probably are beyond getting nervous anymore, but that's kind of an exceptional atmosphere. It's electric is what it is. You can absorb that any way. You can turn that into nerves. You can turn that into rock and roll. And I think we chose to do the latter and we just... We had so much. We had too much fun together. <laughs> that can happen. That can we happen. did. That was an exceptional venue. Yeah. Um, believe it or not, uh, the Edinburgh Castle. I played with Donny Osmond. That was unbelievable. That beautiful castle. I mean, just at, outside of it, in it, uh, in it. Wow, at sunset, wow. they put the actual stage right in it, and oh my. you can go on YouTube and see the Donny Osmond concert in Edinburgh. I had so much fun with that guy. He's like my big brother. I completely warped that poor man into Peterson humor and all that is entailed with that. Those of you who know me, you should be proud of me. <laughs> how did how did the Donny Osmond thing happen? I was making my second solo record in New York City. and You'd, you'd uh, already been with Prince. Already been with Prince. Yeah. Already had a solo record on, uh, on MCA Records that I made in this very room, by the way, in the room across the hall. Um, and then I went to New York, met with these producers by the name of Carl Strickland and Evan Rogers. And for my initial meeting, I went in, and they happened to be producing a guy by the name of Donny Osmond. I walked into that studio. We looked at each other, and we were like, Oh, I knew I knew him in a different life or something. I mean, you know when you meet somebody yeah. and you know that you have a connection with them? Yeah. We immediately bonded, laughed, and really it, that relationship took off from there. We produced songs for his nephews. When he got the show out in California with his sister once again, the Donnie and Marie show, he called me and asked me to go play with him, and I moved to California for a couple of years and did that. Then after that, he did this world tour, worked with Phil Ramone. That's where Phil Ramone comes wow, in. Wow, that I mean one of the all-time all-times. Of course, but that was all because of Donny Osmond. Oh. Yeah, and he and I were literally like brothers and still are. I love that guy. He's hilarious. He's brilliant. He's energetic. What you see is what you get with that guy. So, Well, like... I mean, did, do you think you had that commonality of your families being musically gifted, performing together, and yet remaining really friends? Did, is that the same thing in the Osmonds? I think so. I think that fame and money complicate things a yeah. little bit, and and that that gets a little bit trying. And I, you know, look, we all have our different issues within our own families, and uh, you know, I watched it in my family and watched it in his family, but it's how on how you deal with it and communicate with it and live through it and navigate it. Um, I do want to mention one last place. Uh, I, I, I forgot to mention one of my favorite places to play. That is the basement of my mom's house hmm. for rehearsals. We've had 60 years worth of rehearsals in that basement. It, If those walls could talk, we've had everybody <laughs> from Oscar Peterson to... Um, 
Steve Miller Band down there. Logging everybody, every Logan's, local yeah. musician, every national musician. That is the hang. And we still, to this day, continue to have rehearsals down there. It's just, it's home. Yeah. So I had to remember to throw That's that a in good. There. Did you, didn't you play the Sydney Opera House? I did. What was Two that like? Two nights in a row. It was fantastic. I, I played it with a, uh, it was a collection of Prince folks. I have a band called St. Paul and the Minneapolis Funk All-Stars. And it's a, a band I started many, 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 many years ago playing the music of Minneapolis. And of course, since Prince's passing, that band has been working a lot more. And it's really our, we feel it's our duty to uh, to carry on that sound respectfully and uh, with authenticity and love and for all the right reasons, right? Mm-hmm. And so we, we, we continue to play that. And we've been able to go all over the world. We went to Sydney, Australia. Uh, with one version of it. We just got done playing with the WDR Orchestra in Germany with another aspect of it. And we hope to be able to go back to Europe, uh, if not this year, the following year. And we're hoping to go back to Australia once again. And, and and it's amazing, these places that we're able to play. The Opera House, just iconic. I've run around there many times. I've played Sydney many, many times, but never got to play there until uh, I think it was 2018. It was unbelievable. And I was with my brother, Ricky. Oh, wow. Yeah. How cool is so that? That made it really, oh. really special. Okay. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the soundtrack. I am in the movie on the soundtrack. And what's funny is when I was an educator, I would put up my gold records in the school. That was just something that we would do. And yeah. it was, you know, the kids loved looking at that. And, well, on radio, of, we always of, had them on the hallway. If we, you know, well, if we right. help bust a record, would they? We're very proud of well, it. Well, right. Know? But of all the records that I have on the walls, that is the one that everybody goes up to. Shut up! You're on this. That's, that's my favorite movie. That in the Goofy movie, the Disney movie. I oh, put a song yeah, with Tevin yeah. Campbell on there. So yeah, it was it was a song that I did on my second record with Carl Strickland and Evan Rogers, a record I did on Atlantic. And it was called Every Heart Needs a Home. My manager at the time said, put this in the soundtrack. And he did. And the rest is history. So, yes, I'm in the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, soundtrack. Wow. That's crazy, isn't it? That, that, wow, it's impressive to say the least. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but, but through the years, we talked about all the people that you've uh, worked with. And um, uh, Daryl Hall, that Johnny Lang. Yeah. Uh, Spice Girls? Spice Girls with David Rifkin at Paisley Park. Wow. Yeah, you really hear about that. I even didn't know that. You didn't know that? No. Oh, yeah. Aren't you up uh, on your Spice Girls trip? <laughs> well, my daughter is a huge Spice Girls fan. So, yeah. uh, what, so, how did that come to be and what was it like? What do you remember about it? Well, I remember always being at Paisley because my brother Ricky had a staff production job there and he had an office there. And naturally, I tagged along at everything he did. And God bless him, he let me. So I would be hanging around there, and I became somewhat of a session musician, not only for Ricky on the projects he was working on, but uh, David Rifkin would would play out there. He produced Prince. He produced the family record the years before Mm -hmm. that. And he would go, Paulie, what are you doing? And I'm like, nothing sitting up here. And he's like, come and play on this record. So I'd go play on whatever record he was working on, or he'd call me and go, can I borrow your Lindrum? 
One time he borrowed my drum machine. The next thing I knew, it was on a number one record. She drives me crazy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. my <laughs> Lindrum is the Lindrum on is the Pine Young Candles. So that, that's how these kind of things yeah. worked. And I think a lot of it, you know, like back in Motown. That fine Young that Cannibals? Was fine Young Cannibals. cannibals yeah. yes. And the same thing with the Spice Girls. He's like, come and lay a guitar track down. I'd go in there for 20 minutes mm -hmm. and then I'd leave and then I'd be on a Spice Girls record. It's just the way it was. I think they did the same thing in Motown. I think that's the same thing uh, in the Wrecking Crew and all these different crews. If you were in the studio, they'd be like, come on in here. It's all about showing up, being present and... We certainly were that back at Paisley Park. Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, uh, Anita Baker. Yeah. One of my all-time faves. She, and you worked with her. And Well, you, I'll have you just spout off the list of people you've been with. I won't remember half of them for crying out loud. But Anita Baker was an interesting one because Ricky, my brother, was producing her at Paisley once again with a, a great producer by the name of Tommy LaPuma. Oh, yeah. And Tommy did a lot of j great jazz records, did a lot of... Everything from Barbara Streisand all the way to, um, oh, I don't, I can't even remember right now, but a lot of David Sanborn records. I think he mm -hmm. was responsible for Ricky working with David Sanborn along with Ben Sidron. But anyway, so they would call me in and, and they said, come and play some guitar on this. So I played some guitar on this record in at Paisley Park. Then I got a call from Anita Baker's people that said, can I fly you down to Detroit to play some more guitar? And I'm like, yes, please. <laughs> so she was, she's been known to be someone difficult to work with, mm -hmm. you know? And I did not receive any of those bad vibes at all. Her house that we were at was pretty much empty and she had a recording truck in the driveway. And so I sat, in her empty living room, played along to the tracks. She sat in the booth and said, that's great, great, you know, change this or whatever. She was producing my tracks. Tommy wasn't even there. I think I was there for two days and went home. Man. But it was a great experience. Um, yeah, like I said, it was, she was perfectly nice to me. Daryl Hall. Crazy story on that one. So a friend of mine, I used to be an educator at a place called Minneapolis Media Institute. And I, uh, after my dear friend Tom Tucker passed away, I ended up helping to shape that recording school and take over uh, a lot of his duties. I worked with a gentleman there uh, by the name of Leon. And he was one of my instructors on a software program. And I hadn't seen him in a while. This is after we had left that place. He called me up, excuse me, I say, and he said, I miss you, man. Why don't we get together? And I said, well, the easiest way to get together with me is if we do a project together. I have to put something on the calendar. So we did. He said, I got this idea to remake this Hall & Oates song called Philly Forget-Me-Not. I said, oh, you want to do mini Forget-Me-Not, right? I said, I love the idea. He's a rapper. And I ended up producing the track on it. He did the drums. I did the concept for kind of a Minneapolis sound. He changed all the lyrics to many forget-me-not. It turned out way better than I thought it was going to turn out. It actually became a song on my current record. But there's permissions I have to get, right, from these guys that we kind of just changed their song. I have friends in Daryl's band. I, don't, I didn't know Daryl at the time. I said, can you please send me the manager's number? I want to send this to him to go through the right channels. So 
I send the, the song to him. I get a phone call in this room, and it's from the manager. And he says, we don't care about the song. You can do whatever you want. Daryl wants you to produce him. Daryl heard the track and what I had done with it and loved what I did. And that opened up a whole brand new world uh, of me being able to have a relationship with Daryl Hall, one of my absolute idols. So he called me. I ended up going down to South South Carolina for a week of production with him. We went out to dinner. We got to know each other. We produced, I don't know, four, five, six songs together. And unfortunately, the, our time got cut very short. His ex-wife actually died mm. at the end of that, and he had to fly off to England. And that was the last we worked together. So it was an unfortunate ending on that, but for me, it's a positive to be able to work with with one of my heroes, right? And we still stay in touch to this day. We're super friendly, and maybe someday some of that stuff will come out. I don't know, but uh, it doesn't matter. Yeah, and it's there. It's there. You know, you mentioned David Sanborn. I remember when CDs then came out, uh, were first coming out, and, and you'd go listen to the speakers at whatever music store it was. Oh, yeah. And Sanborn was played a lot because you could hear the separation and you could hear oh, the yeah. music, and they'd want you to hear the new CD technology on music Oh yeah, uh, like his. But the other guy I think about, about that same time, would have been George Benson. Oh. And there's another super talent that you worked with. Oh, my gosh. You're naming all my heroes, and I was so lucky to be able to, to work with. I never thought in my wildest dreams that I'd be able to record an entire record with one of my heroes. Uh, and this again was another Paisley Park uh, experience in the mid nineties. Uh, Ricky was a staff producer there, but he would also bring in projects. So he brought in Tommy LaPuma again and Ricky, they were producing George Benson at Paisley. So the team there was Michael Bland on drums, me on uh bass, Ricky on keyboards and I, I don't remember who else was on the session at that time. And then George would have me play rhythm guitar. So we literally did a whole record in a week or two. We ate like Kings. We, he loved everything we did. Literally it's first or second take that entire record. This was one of the, the best studio experiences I, I think ever had in my life. There's footage on YouTube of that. There is. Oh, really? I think mm -hmm. there is at Paisley. I had a long ponytail. I don't have that kind <laughs> yeah. of hair anymore, man. But I got to write a song for him. I wrote it for my brother. It's called Song for My Brother. He got nominated for a Grammy for that performance. Wow. It's on one of the plaques on the walls out here. It yeah, it was it's great. I just called George the other day because I want I'm doing some interviews coming up in at the NAM show as well. And I called George to see if I could interview him. So I'm still waiting on you, George. Oh. Call me back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gosh, a lot of legends there to say the the least. No oh, man, I'm, I'm just so what a ride this has been, Dave. Well, they don't really hand, they don't hand stuff to you. Yeah, I mean you you <laughs> earned it, right? You know? I, I do yeah, you try to show it. up to the best of my ability, that's for sure. Yeah. I think Paul is one of the hardest workers I've ever known. He's working. Working. But I like I like it though. Yeah. You know, me sitting on my hands is not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> no. No, no. And working can be a hobby, right? Sid yeah. always used to tell me I haven't worked a day in my life. And then he and makes some you're right, but he would but it's only because he was covering sports because he loved it so much. Right. Yeah. Of course. So.
Uh, we'll be back with, uh, close it off here with Paul, let him get to some important things uh, in his life. He's probably got a project I'm keeping him from right now. But we'll come back and wrap it up here in a second. And a, a reminder on the Funk Friday, I want you to know about that one more time. I do want to mention our great sponsor at Starbank.net. They're awesome. Business lending solutions. You'll find products tailored to assist with everything from managing inventory to paying your vendors to covering operating expenses and a lot more too. And they have competitive rates and flexible terms. I think the thing that is really outstanding about them, beside the way they handle business for all these many years, the same family. Speaking of families, they've been running this since they opened up one in the rural Minnesota years ago and they dealt basically with ag needs. And they just expanded. They're still in Minnesota, 10 banks right here in the metro as well. But if you need a home equity line of credit or a home mortgage or a business loan, uh, ag operating or equipment loan, still do a lot of that, camp or RV, whatever it is, their turnaround time is great. Their personal banking, obviously, they're going to offer you checking and savings. But all the digital things you want, too. The only thing I would say about digital, I like it. I use it. It's easy, right? It's at our fingertips. But when you do go into the bank, Star Bank, they'll get to know you. They may already know you. And when you call on the phone, they will answer with a live person. And they're really into the family thing, getting to know people. I just think that's just one of the coolest parts of the business. Plus, they're good at what they do. Now, they're great at what they do. I'd call StarBank today or go online at StarBank.net. Loans are subject to a loan application approval. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. Uh, they're our bank here at TalkNorth.com. Hey, uh, Paul. Yes, sir. Now, you worked with Prince for a while, and there's a time, you know, I've chatted about it before, where... You probably didn't talk to each other for a while. Oh, then, yeah. But then you you resolved that. We did. I was so glad that we uh, were able to get back on friendly terms in the last, I don't know, probably 10, 15 years of his life. And, you know, those were one of those, that was one of those situations where as a young man, I look back on that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. how I left him. I certainly could have done things differently. What I've not left, no, I think all, everything is as it should be. But I do look back on that time and go, how could I have maybe done that better or, or, or more ethically or whatever the case may be. And, you know, he was upset and rightly so I would have been upset with somebody who left me as well. So time seems to heal all wounds. I was always invited to go to Paisley park. I, you know, we weren't speaking when I was at Paisley with Ricky, but he allowed me to be in that building and play on all those various projects. I don't know why, because he certainly could have kicked me out at any point in time. But we were not friendly at that point in time. I wanted to be just because I'm like, you know, um, I'm still here. You know, I'm still in your building. And it was it was it was a interesting situation. But when we were remaking this uh record or doing a new record with a group he had formed called the family. He got wind of that, and we wanted to call it the family. And I got all of a sudden my phone rings, and he's his people. Prince has summoned you to Paisley Park, and it was about you can't use the name, you can't. So it was started off like that, and then we we took it a different direction. I was like, cool, I understand the way what you're saying, but then we took the conversation in a more positive direction. We started talking about music. We started talking about my family. We started talking about what he was doing. Maybe didn't talk about music. And we started a dialogue that, with that one meeting and that one summons to Paisley Park that ended up turning into a, I wouldn't say it was a close friendship, but it was a friendship mm -hmm. that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's 
I don't know how close you could get to the guy. Right. right? Yeah, you're one of the rare ones. Yeah, and I'm not trying. I'm not going to sit here and try to tell you. Oh yes, we you know <laughs> we're sharing this and that. That wasn't the case. This was a professional, a mutual admiration society friendship, and I would call him and I'd you go, hey, why don't you come down to the Dakota tonight and come see my buddy Victor Wooten, and he would. Mm-hmm. He, we met down there at, on several occasions and uh, sat and ch- chatted. And he would invite me. The last time I saw him, he invited me and Eric Leeds out with our band LP Music to play for the release of one of his, I think it must have been his last record. Hmm. And he, after we got done with Soundcheck, he came up behind us and he gave me a great big hug and he said, thank you for being here. I just so appreciate you being here in my house. He said, can I play with you? And I'm like, uh, yeah. <laughs> he said, are you done with sound check? I said, yeah, you don't need no stinking sound check. I said, please just set up your guitar, play, feel free to play with us. And he said, I just might do that. And he did not end up doing it that night, but he, you know, it, it was cool that he invited us out there. We had played down at the Dakota uh, a few months later, right before he passed. He came down, he does his normal Prince thing, which was not necessarily come backstage to say hello to us, but I saw him. Not the balcony there. And it was, yeah, it was all good. And so it, it, I'm so thankful that that ended up the way it did. Yeah. Really. You know, you mentioned Eric Lades, a great sax player. And then, but of all the, you've done so many things, uh, Paul, with, you've played different instruments on different sessions. True. True. And if somebody said, here's what, Pick the one you really want to play. Did it matter to you? I mean, you could obviously play everything. Uh, I mean, I I will tend to gravitate towards the bass because it comes most naturally to me. Mm-hmm. But I I love playing the drums. I, I I grew up being a drummer. I get to play once a year at my family Christmas concert, and my I have zero chops, uh, but I have fun and I have a concept. <laughs> it just Trying to get my limbs to do what my brain wants them to do is two different stories. But I love that. I love playing the guitar. I think I have an interesting approach to the guitar that I, you know, I have so many different influences from George Benson to Ray Parker Jr. to Prince to Jesse Johnson to, I don't even know, Mike Elliott, who used to live here. Uh, All these different people. And I, I don't, I can't put my finger on it, but it's just a, different approach that I take to that. And I, I think that's what my stamp is, is I try to be a chameleon and, and do as many things as I can. Cause it's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I well, still have fun playing music. Yeah. When you're doing it at the highest level with different instruments, that's quite impressive to say the least. I, I like pushing myself. I like, I like pushing myself. It's like if you go play golf and you want to go play with somebody like who's great. And then you were like, Ooh, Ooh, I better bring my A game. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. don't want to suck in front of these guys you're playing with. So when you hire people from the Brecker brothers, you hire somebody from uh Fleetwood Max band, and you're gonna do even a funk Friday with them, yeah. you better bring it. And and if I'm writing all these things and I'm gonna present these little one-minute vignettes, boy, you better bring something that's worthwhile yeah. to these people because they could go, What the hell is that? And no, I'm not playing on this. So, you know, it's it's I'm trying to put my best foot forward every single week on these Funk Friday uh, experiences. Not so much for me and my ego, because it's more about what we're doing for the greater good 
of of the fans of Funk Friday and what that means to them. I and mean, we we've had people write into us telling you can't tell you what Funk Friday means to me. We look forward to it every single week. It gets me out of my funk. It gets me funky, but it takes me out of <laughs> yeah. my funk. You know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but that, Dave, is why we continue to to make these little vignettes every single week. And it's been it's turned into a completely different animal than it started out to be, and I'm just so thankful to keep going. And these people just keep coming to the party. When you are at the uh, green room uh, on Girard at, at uh, seven o'clock on the twelfth uh, of Friday yes. here in January, mm-hmm. how are you going to open the show? How long does it take you to figure out what what are we going to do to open the show? <laughs> or don't we know yet? Well, I'm oh, pissing God. him off because he's been waiting for 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 me to pick out. How do you pick from two hundred? Yeah, I don't know. I I had to so he gave me a, a task to go through like the 198 99 that we released so far right and pick your I favorites. go like pick pick like 20 yeah good luck well then you got to factor in who's coming in town to play you want to kind of feature them because what we're yeah. going to do is we're going to play the 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 Funk Friday video and then we're going to replay it with the live players and extend it out oh yeah and and jam so this one minute vignette could turn into a 20 minute jam so you got to make sure you pick the right one um it i literally landed on a set list last night yeah you and told we me. finally and then i got a call from jason today he says it's way too long man. way too long you're 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 doing too much so it's still up in the air. I'm going to have to send something to these these guys flying in <laughs> to show yes. like I they actually know what I'm doing here. Yeah. <laughs> but really, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, These guys are world-class musicians, and I don't know why they're coming here. I mean, I feel like, I feel like an imposter. I'm like, they're coming here for this? Really? But I, they are, and they ask to come. They're like, yeah. I'm coming for this. And they've shown up like Lenny Castro – has been on half of these Funk Fridays, and he's played with everybody. He yeah. genuinely loves doing this. It's mm-hmm. a great vibe. It's a great hang, and it's for the right reasons. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. on like maybe every two weeks or two or three weeks he's on. That's true. He's he on. always comes up with a funny quip at the end. Oh, so yeah. if you, those of but you who aren't familiar. Don't say that. They need to come to the green room to see that. <laughs> they will. But you can also go back and check and see what he does at the end of every Funk Friday he's a part of. It's pretty funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. now if I want to see the Funk Fridays out there, where do I go? Wow. Uh, I, would go, I would go to my Instagram and my my uh, Facebook, Facebook page, St. Yeah. Paul Peterson. Or, yep. uh, that's Instagram, S-T-P-I-U-L-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N, or on Facebook, St. Paul fan page. And yeah. you, you you should be able to see all of them. Yeah. A lot of them are on, are on Music on the Run. Yeah, on the well. Facebook page of the podcast, Music on the Run. If you search in the search engines Funk Friday as one word and then number one or number yeah. two or whatever, you'll see the whole list. And of it's them. not Funky Friday. It's no. Funk Friday. That is correct. Well, have a great show, uh, Paul. Always great to see you. Great to see you, I too. wore a sh- shirt in your honor. I see that. Yeah. And I dressed up for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was dressed and I said, no, I got to put on my St. Paul shirt for Pete's sake. So. I love it. And that name, as we've talked about before, I don't think I brought it up today, but that that's the name Prince threw at you, didn't he? He sure did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when when he uh, formed that band, The Family, he announced that that would be my name. He didn't ask me, 
He announced it. <laughs> he just and baptized you. He did. He, he baptized. Yes, he did. And he could do those things. And I'm like, sure. Okay. Uh, well, it's all worked out. Yes. Paul, great to see you. Thanks for coming in. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. It's it, it's so much fun. And we'll do a lot more stuff together coming up here. Yeah, I look forward to that. David, me too. Thank you. Thank I'll you, let's Dave. Get to work on this uh, event. By David the way. E. Yes. I'm going to be on double duty. That's yeah. right. <laughs> It's all been brought to you by Corey'sHomeServices.com, uh, where Jeff and his gang do just awesome work. And like I said, I've known Jeff for well over two decades. We're still good friends. I just love everything they do. And that's we met through the business, through his business, when I first got that Connecticut water. So check that out. Uh, you care. They're doing a great job for so many of you. Find out more about them. Uh, the Chanhassen Dinner Theaters, of course. We talked about the shows coming up there. But go to their website, ChanhassenDT.com. You'll see the whole list. It's a long list. And uh, StarBank.net, our bank here at Talk North. And for the podcast, you can go to TalkNorth.com. Got a ton of them there, a bunch of great podcasts. But also um, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get yours. Dave here. I'll see you next time on my first concert.